happy resurrection. Aren't you glad we don't just experience this once a year? But once we experience it, we experience it all year. Praise the Lord. We certainly greet you today in the name of the Lord. Brother Dave said last year this time we couldn't even meet this way. We're so grateful. The Lord's been merciful to us and kind to us to be able to bring us back together again. Let's turn, if you would, today to Genesis chapter 24. We'll also read a little later in John. Genesis 24, verse 51. Brother Branham preached the message entitled, Is the Rising of the Sun. He said, early this morning, about five o'clock, he said, my little friend was sitting on my window seal. And he said, he sang as if his heart would burst. And it was a little robin. And he said, I've always thought a lot of my little friend. And then he breaks up whenever he goes to talking about it. Because they said there was this little brown bird. And he saw this man hanging on a cross. And he felt so sorry for him. Because nobody would help him. And he flew into that cross. Trying to pull those nails out of his hands. And he made his little breast all red with blood. And he said, that's the way I want mine to be. I trust each of us here today. On our hearts, our lives covered by this precious blood of Jesus. Now we'll read this for a background of what we've been looking at. And then we'll go just a little bit different direction. Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife. As the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words... He worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. How many would like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, on this resurrection morning, we want to say that we are so grateful that our Redeemer lives. Many great people have lived in this earth, what the world would call great. Rich, famous, important, kings, nobles, queens, magistrates, But they're all still in the grave. Many of them have gone back to ashes. Many of them back to the chemicals that are unseen. But for you, Lord Jesus, you died. We agree. But you didn't stay there. You got up. And it may be hard for our minds to understand. But when you got up, we got up with you. And we are so grateful. Father, would you visit us today with your presence and minister to us, Lord, according to your great wisdom. Our needs are many, but the power of our God is greater than all of our needs put together. 
So would you help us, Lord, to tap into your presence, open our hearts to your word, so that you can speak to us today, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. We'll change our scene from where we read there. Genesis 24, in the land of Mesopotamia. We'll advance the story many, many hundreds of years later. We will not be in Haran or Ur of the Chaldees, but we will move to the southern country of Judea. And There's been a great stir that's been going about now for several months. This man, he doesn't have the orthodox appearance that a rabbi would have. He doesn't look like a Pharisee, a Sadducee. He would look more like the Essenes from Qumran near the banks of the Dead Sea. His diet is not the same as most everybody else. He doesn't dress in long robes with a blue ribbon around the bottom of it. He is an odd sort of a fellow. He preaches, but he preaches really rough. And he's drawing... Quite a few people, hundreds actually, are coming to hear him. The scribes and the Pharisees really don't understand why. Because he is so very different. I can see them as they come up near him now. And it's some of his disciples. The man's name, if you don't know it yet, is John. He's called John, in the Greek, John the Dipper. Because he was immersing people. Baptism was not new to John or Jesus. It was something that the Jews did. They've just recently found about 50 different mikvahs or ritual baths at the bottom of the steps of where it would have led up to the temple period. I found it amazing looking at this that whenever they designed the steps going up to the temple. Unlike our carpenters here today, that if they were going to build a set of steps so they're out of wood or concrete or aluminum or whatever more, they would want the step, the riser, each one being the same height. But those men there, they designed those steps where they would not be exactly the same height, riser height, or the same depth. They would make one higher than the other, one lower than the other. They would make the steps deeper. And the reason of that was so you would have to watch every step that you made. By doing so, you would keep your head down like this. And they did this on purpose so that the worshipers coming up to the house of God were not with their head all raised up and so proud and arrogant, but they were constantly watching their steps, because each step was so different. 
I can see his disciples as they come to him and they are very disturbed because they feel like something is, is definitely wrong. And they, one of them speaks up and says, Master, Rabbi, the, the man that you baptized, the man that you said was the Lamb of God, all people are going toward him. And your crowds are getting smaller. Now, I think this would be typical for any carnal-minded prophet followers that don't understand the further revealing of the Word. And they would feel like anything that would be taken away from the prophet as far as Shekinah would be awful. But this man, John, as he turns around and replies to his followers. Listen what he says. St. John 3, 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Now, in one sense of the word, they would have known exactly what John was referring to. Unlike Eliezer that we read in Genesis 24, that was sent in proxy for Isaac. Abraham would not have sent him on such a journey. Too much risk, too much at stake. He had never been very far out of his country. They would go to Beer Lehorai. They would go to the northern part. They had different parts that they would pasture the sheep. But he had never been to Mesopotamia. He did not know the way. But Eliezer had been around and it made different journeys. So unlike that bridegroom, which was waiting with anticipation for the delivery of his wife, our Lord Jesus come to the earth to get her himself. But he did have a shosh habin, which was the friend of the bridegroom the one which would go before him and prepare the way, Isaiah 40. And now the people are seeing the Lord Jesus and his ministry starting to have an influence and growing. And John's followers are looking at it with an element of jealousy. Isn't it amazing how far we can be from the truth? They were jealous for John's sake, because Jesus was getting a bigger following. But John, you know, he, he, was, he was rough. He was a rough guy. But John, I admire in the way that he answered his disciples. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't tell them how ignorant they were spiritually. 
But he gave them a parable that they would be able to relate to, and it was the position of a shashabim, one that would go before the bridegroom and stand and identify himself as now hearing the bridegroom's voice. Although we pick up our story here in around 30 AD, it actually begins many, many millions of years before. I can see him when there is nothing there and no one with him. It's as the spiritual eye would be able to look at it, it would just be the effigy of brilliance and light and glory. And as the Hebrew word is Shekinah, or as we call it, Shekinah. It's not a man. It's not an earthly being. It is light, but it's greater than the light we know. And out of it, he gives birth to a son. It is the first image of the invisible that comes into view where man can sort of relate to it down the road. He already had his personal diary with names written in that book. He already had attributes of his being. But from this point to where we are here in AD 30, it will take thousands times thousands times tens of thousands of years to bring it to this spot. Unlike us, you see, he gets in no hurry to unfold his great program. He's willing to start and allow, allow it his initial stage to fall into sin and start over again and allow that stage to fall again into sin and shortcoming and start again and allow that one to fall and start again. Because to him, each time he starts and Satan stops, there's a further revealing of who and what he is that's made known. Now, Satan would like to convince us that he's delayed the program of God or messed up the program of God. But I would like to let the king of all dummies know this. He has never pulled anything over on our father. That's right. He knew what he would do before he ever made him. Is that right? He knew that he would fall from being Lucifer, day star, light bringer, to be, being Satan, liar, deceiver. And not only that, but the father of lies. John goes on to say in verse 30, he must increase, 
but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. You see, if they would have really listened to what their prophet was telling them, it would have released them from human jealousy right there. They would have realized the message of the prophet of Malachi 3 was not to gather a following to the prophet of Malachi 3, but rather to point to the messenger himself who had sent this earthly one. The real believers of Malachi 4 have also come to that great place where they realize the emphasis is not just on the messenger of Malachi 4, but rather the king of Malachi 4. Now may I go this way for a moment. All of this was done for the love of a woman. We know that there's been many, many things that have happened since record keeping has been ongoing, even traditions for the love of a woman. Now, it might seem strange to those who have never had a wife or really been smitten by a woman. But Adam was given a bride that was part of his body, part of his spirit, and answered something in him that nothing else could. It's hard for our minds to imagine that in that realm, when Father said everything that he made was good, and yet he looked at Adam being alone and said, it's not good that the man should be alone. And if he was made in the image of God, wonder where he got that loneliness from his father. And this is not an ordinary man like us. This was a man that was made an amateur God on the earth. A man that could speak. Father made the animals and left them nameless and brought them to this son. And the son would look at them and by discernment break into the realm of names. Think of it. Break into the realm of names. Names are a lot different now for us today than they were then. They didn't have a catalog or a website where you can go looking for a baby's name. But they named things and people according to traits, characteristics, and identifications. And this man was so much in the image of God, he never misnamed one animal but broke directly into God's category of names and pulled out by discernment every name of every animal. He could speak to the winds. He could move trees. He could do all kinds of things for he was the God of the earth. And yet when he went to sleep that day, And Papa 
maybe passed his hand over his face and all of a sudden his eyes got real heavy. And God allowed this man to enter into divine anesthesia. And he let him go deep enough to where he would feel no pain. And Father maybe took his hand as it was and just made a little appellation on the side and opened up and went down in and pulled a rib out from under his heart. And maybe laid the rib with a little bit of blood and water over on the table. Then he goes inside of Adam's spirit and separates tenderness, gentleness, kindness, and all of those attributes that makes a woman. Then God starts forming this body around this rib. God now imparts this spirit into this woman. Do you ever notice the Bible doesn't say that God breathed into her nostrils the breath of life? But God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. The woman being a byproduct comes to life. As I've stood by some of you even, as you are facing a very important surgery and you'll want me there prior to the operation in the operating room or wherever they'll let me go in. And with many of you, I've stood as far as I could go in and I would wave at you. And you want me right there when you come out. And for some of you, I've been the first person in there whenever you come out. And you were groggy. And don't worry, some of the things you said is a deep kept secret. I only use those things when I have to. (laughs) But you imagine Adam as he started coming out from under this anesthesia. And God whispered to his wife, step over near him and take him by the hand. And as she reaches over her gentle touch, her blonde hair, her blue eyes, And as he goes to shaking and quivering, God tells her, now pat him, rub him. Maybe she takes her hand and rubs on his brow and he he goes to open his eyes and he sees something that he never saw before. When he finally opens up and he's kind of still out of it and he comes around and he looks at her And it strikes him, that same realm. You are Ishai. For you come out of Ish. Woman. Or man with a womb. I imagine for an hour or so, just took him a little bit to come to himself and Father standing over in the bushes, as it were, him looking over at him, and Father smiling, and Adam saying, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. I didn't know it. I, I, I didn't know what it was, but as soon as I saw her, I knew why I'd been so longing for something. I had you every day. I, I had my kingdom every day. But why was I longing? I felt bad. Why, why should I feel bad? Thank you. But for the love of this woman, he will forsake his godship, his position. He will walk out of the Garden of Eden and he will turn and look back for his last time for the love of a woman. Jacob, for the love of a woman, was willing to work seven years. The time flew past so rapidly. It seemed but a few days. Again, he had to work seven more years because his tricky father-in-law. Brothers, be careful of father-in-laws. <laughs> For the love of a woman. For the love of a woman, David, a poor man, was told that Saul wanted him to be his son-in-law. But David said, how can I ever pay for a princess, the king's daughter? But it was told to David that Saul would accept an unusual mohar or dowry. A hundred foreskins of dead Philistines. So David leaves gladly the palace on his chariot. He comes back with a hundred foreskins. Of course, we know the story. Actually, Saul was hoping David would be killed. Why would a man by himself risk this type of thing for the love of a woman? Samson, for the love of a woman, sold his God-called position, lost his eyes, lost his covenant, lost his position for the love of a woman. Our Lord God, for the love of a woman, left the praises of angels and cherubims and heavenly realms to come down to the earth, to be ridiculed, made fun of, laughed at. For what? The love of a woman. The prophet said, if I could think of how that Jesus, when he died, he went and preached to the souls that were in prison. He died a sinner, knowing no sin. Yet our sin was on him, and God for his sins. Now, wait a minute. They were not his sins. They were not his sins by committal. They were his sins by transferal. Right. 
the committed part was us. We were the ones who done the wrong. But they must become his sins in order to redeem us. Praise God. So he couldn't say, well, I'll, I'll die for Dow, but I'll, Dow, you have to keep your own sins. What good would it have done? What good would it have done unless he took those sins so much upon himself that they actually became his sins as if he himself cursed. As if he himself got drunk. As if he himself committed adultery and lied and stole and cheated. Notice God's penalty. He died a sinner knowing no sin, yet our sin was on him. And God, for his sins, sent him to hell. God, for his sins, sent him to hell. And what was the reason for the love of a woman? I know of a little boy, he was a little years ago, fell in love with a girl. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a way to be able to go see this girl very often. But one time when he was there seeing her, he saw these great big tall transmission power lines. And he thought those power lines would come near an area where he lived. Now he lived several miles away from this girl. Well, it come a big snow there in Kentucky and he got to missing that girl so much he couldn't hardly stand it. So I found those transmission lines. And I walked across that mountain with snow up to my knees. Miles I went by myself. Come down on the other side, right near where she lived. Why? The love of a woman. No telling how many different stories of brothers here today will be able to say, well, I did this and I did this and I gave up this for my wife and I was willing to do whatever more. You remember one of the kings of England and our generation actually fell in love with a married woman, an American, became divorced. Of course, at that time, the king of England was not allowed to marry a divorcee. So the king abdicated. He gave up his position. He signed away everything from being the king of England to marry this woman. What the love of a woman will do. Notice the prophet goes on to say, Eve actually thought she was right, but Satan deceived her. But he didn't deceive Adam. He knew it was wrong, but because 
of the love for his wife. He represented himself with sin and was condemned by the same and cast out of the garden of Eden. Now, this is part of the difference between Adam and Eve when this time arrives in that when Eve done wrong, she never come to the state to know right from wrong. I don't understand it, to be honest with you. But Adam, whenever he come to that state, you know, the Bible, God said, we must put the man out of the Garden of Eden because he's become as one of us to know good and evil. Didn't say it about the woman. Because the woman, when Adam found her, she was still deceived. So when she comes to Adam, and now her imagery has been shaped by her designer, Satan never made Eve's body. Satan had nothing to do with forming Eve's body. He was her designer of what the Creator gave her. Shape her sinking, shape her ability to use it in a way that the Creator never wanted her to do it. That's why we call clothes designer jeans, designer this, designer that. He's still working on them today. So when she come to Adam, he must have known immediately when he saw her, something was different about her. Her demeanor was changed. Everything about her was different and then she comes to him and relates to him what she's found out. She's still deceived. She doesn't realize what she's done. But when Adam stands there, he must do it. Glory to God. As the second Adam must do thousands of years later, he must willingly, knowingly take his wife's sin upon himself. For what reason? The love of a woman. So Adam quickly takes her to himself. Now Adam knows even though she is pregnated by the serpent, if he will take her to himself and now let her be his wife, God cannot take her from him if she has his seed inside of her. This is the mystery of your existence today. This is the mystery of our being able to live and fail God and we've messed up so many, many times and why does he not kill us? It's the love of a woman because his seed remains in us. Hallelujah. Why did not God take Sarah when she laughed in God's face and called God a liar to him face, his face, because her husband had a covenant. How could God smite Lot's wife and turn her to a pillar of salt? Her husband had no covenant with God. How can the church go through the tribulation period? They have no covenant. Their husband has no covenant. They think they're married to Christ, 
but they're married to a denominational Jesus. That denominational Jesus has no covenant with the eternal. The only way, friends, that we will be accepted in the presence of God as totally and completely innocent and sin-free is if we are truly married to the Lord Jesus of the Bible. The Lord Jesus, a fictitious Lord Jesus, a Baptist Lord Jesus, a Church of God Lord Jesus is not the Jesus necessarily of the death, burial, and resurrection. Oh my. Notice how Brother Brennan brings this. He said, but because of the love for his wife, he represented himself with sin and was condemned by the same and cast out of the Garden of Eden. So Adam takes her to himself and then when he does, it's more than my mind can comprehend how he must have felt once once he did this. It was like something went out of him and he emptied everything out of him that was pure and holy and righteous and godly and he started feeling naked and ashamed and embarrassed and humiliated and overwhelmed and fearful and confused all, can you imagine all of those feelings for the first time in your existence? You feel afraid. You feel confused. You feel overwhelmed. You feel naked. You feel guilty. You feel out of fellowship with God. You feel so torn. What do you want to do? What he did, run and hide. For what reason? The love of a woman. A woman is the fairest of all of God's creatures. In reality, she is the most unique in many ways. A man can get a text on his phone and said, pray for John Brown, he's sick. The man will read that text to his wife and his wife will say, what's wrong with John? When did this happen? Where is John at? The woman wants 87 more different reasons why you got that text. Well, I guess I might as well close. I don't ask anybody to say amen. You've all already said it. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate your cooperation this morning. Now, can a woman make herself that way? No. Can us men want to? I honestly don't want to. <laughs> and there's so many things that we can look at about a woman that's so different. Now, you might go to a doctor and tell him that you're a woman and him look at you and say, really? And they might do all these changes on you to convince you, but you'll never be a woman. Because he can't change what God put in the woman. And yet there's nothing in the world that God could give a son. Next to the new birth of baptism of the Holy Ghost that is any greater 
than a woman, a wife. If there was anything greater, he would have come himself and took that to his own being. There was nothing greater he could get. But unlike Jacob, which worked seven years and then seven more, unlike David for a hundred foreskins, unlike Othniel that would come and defeat the enemy in the days of Caleb and get his wife, this one must make the ultimate sacrifice. He must become the serpent on the pole. He must take upon himself the guilt, not only of adultery, but the horrible feeling of lying, homosexuality, perversion, the darkness and the depths of sin. Now remember, he never done one thing wrong, not one thing, but through the power of transferal of his children. By this time in the day, 12.15 on Sunday morning, but day before yesterday, when he got up that morning early, he knew what the day held. His disciples were in total oblivion. They didn't have a clue. They, They felt, no doubt, uneasy, They felt alarmed being in Jerusalem. By now, the messenger that we read about has introduced him to the world. He's had his head removed, and the glory is now changed. Just a little bit prior to this, they entered in the week before on a white donkey. Thousands thronged the streets, and they worshiped him. But on this Friday, they will turn against him They will deny him for what reason? The love of a woman. Couldn't he just create one? Couldn't he just make something that would satisfy this in him? But it wouldn't have been the same. He could have made you and I the way that he made animals. Whenever they would have come up and worshiped him, he could have made us as he made angels to where that's all they've done. Can you imagine? Many of those angels have been there for eons of ages, maybe millions and millions of years if we would count time. And all they've ever done is worshiped and obeyed and loved him. Angels have never had a bad thought. They've never rebelled. They've never been mean. They've never done anything wrong, those elect angels. But when you stand and sing, Amazing Grace. And he tells the angels, Hush! Hush! Donnie's singing. And Fred's helping him. And Wes is joining in. Dial is singing harmony. Wow. Because you are the voice of the redeemed. And it answers back up through his blood. What is it? The voice of his redeemed woman. 
by supper time, the anguish had so moved upon him. Satan now having put into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him. Supper being over, Jesus taketh a towel and girdeth himself and taketh a basin of water and come to his disciples to wash their feet. Simon Peter says unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answereth and saith unto him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. They're confused. They're, they're so emotional. They're so torn up. Judas gets up and goes out. Jesus tells him, what thou doest, do as quickly. The night starts moving on. Jesus enters into St. John 17 and starts giving the most intimate prayer of the entirety of Scripture. You haven't read it in a while, it do you good. This is the most... Oh, the most profound chapter of the New Testament. It's the longest of Jesus' words that are put together. And it's not in parabolic form as far as just emptying out parables and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's the longest time that the Lord Jesus speaks of the mystery of his bride. And what's the whole thing about? The love of a woman. but let's go up a little bit. We'll move up from the sixth to the ninth hour. Darkness was upon the earth. And he lets out a voice. One of the writers says it one way, another says it another, but let's go with this one. Eli, Eli, Leme Sabathani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why was he forsaken? For the love of a woman. By now, the transferal of sins, though invisible, has been placed upon him. And he must die the death of a sinner. Lord, children, can't you see why God will condemn people to white throne judgment? Because they turned down this sacrifice of all he went through so that you and I could be delivered. And when we turn him down, there will not be one speck of mercy or grace at the white throne. Finally, his body enters into the last stages. He's shaking. He's quivering. The blood is nearly gone from his body. His eyes are twitching. His muscles in his arms and his feet and legs are jerking. For what reason? The love of a woman. He pardons the thief. Then he bows his head. And he utters the last words, it is finished. Lightning and thunder 
the earth starts shaking and trembling. And the disciples are there. This can't be. This, this cannot be. He's not supposed to die. Yes, he is. But not supposed to according to their understanding. What was Psalms 22 written about? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All my bones, they stare at me. They pass by, they wag their head. All that David wrote, remember Psalms 22 precedes your beloved Psalm of 23. How could he have ever been your Psalm 23 if he had not become your Psalm 22? Hallelujah. What was Psalm 22 all about? The love of a woman. What is Psalm 23? The epitome of that love made manifest. Oh, I thank God for his birth. He could not have died had he not been born. But how we honor today the resurrection of our blessed Lord Jesus. But now the day was coming close to an end. You know how the Sabbath was and still is. The Jewish Sabbath on Friday afternoon, Saturday being the Sabbath, it would have began on sundown on Friday evening. So they had to get him into the, the, the tomb in a hurry. So they didn't have time to embalm his body, even put spices around it. So they hurriedly take him down and there was a garden tomb near where he was. It would be their custom that they would hurriedly take water and they'd, women would go in there and they'd start singing songs. They're wiping the blood from his body. The sun is starting to set. All of them go their own way. They don't know what to do. They're confused. And Jesus goes to hell. Now he only does the sinful slash hell work for a little while. Then the theophany starts preaching to the souls that are in prison. I want you to listen to this, friends. It's staggering. Christ represented himself with the church full of sin and was condemned and his soul went to hell. And God raised him up on the third day. You believe that? It wasn't that he didn't sin. He did sin. Christ was. He never, God wouldn't have sent him to hell pure. He had to send him to hell condemned because he took, this is what Adam done. He took Eve's guilt. The Lord Jesus never lied, never stole, never cheated, but he was willing. And when he took my sin, it was as if though he himself lied 
and told the lies that I would tell. Or the adultery you would commit or the drinking you would commit. He took it all. As it was so many years ago when Arnold von Winkler stood up and he said, this day I give my life for Switzerland. This day. And he runs to the forefront of the battle. And as he stands there and they begin to take their swords and their arrows and their bows and assault this man. And as they are coming toward him, he reaches out and grabs a hold of their spears and swords and thrusts them into his own body. But it so rallied those Swiss that they gathered behind him. Hallelujah. And they met their enemy and they defeated it. As the prophet said, they've never had a war since. Our Lord Jesus there on the cross reached out. Now remember the anointing left him in the garden. He didn't do this with chills all over him. He didn't do this with the anointing from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He did this as a sinner man. No father, no anointing, no virtue, no healing. I don't know about you, since that's become real to me, I have rallied behind him. Lord God, he had to send him to hell condemned because he took our sins and Christ died not righteous. Christ died a sinner. Christ never sinned himself, but he took our sins on him. Now, it was Friday, but Sunday's coming as you heard. So Sunday's here. Very early, at the first day of the week, we find Mary as she goes, still sad, still torn to pieces. And she sees what she thinks is a gardener. Jesus was there maybe with a mattock or something, you know, grubbing around a little bit or a shovel. You know the story, she goes to the tomb there and she's supposing him to be a gardener. She said, sir, where have you laid my Lord? Where, where have you laid him? Tell me and I'll go get him. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned and answers him saying, Rabboni. Isn't it amazing? The first one that he sees after his resurrection was a woman. What was it all for? The love of a woman. She did as she would normally do, grab him in obeisance and in great honor to him to reach and grab him. But he says, touch me not. I want you to think of this. I don't know if you've ever thought this before or not. But do you realize when the Lord Jesus was on the earth, he would have never been allowed to walk into the holiest of holies in the temple, King Herod's temple. 
Because Jesus was born, naturally speaking, of the tribe of Judah. And only the high priests of the tribe of Levi would have been allowed to go in the holy place and the most holy. So physically, Jesus never got to go into the holy of holies. The law wouldn't allow him to. Neither would the Pharisees. Praise God. Notice this, the prophet said he wasn't to be touched till after his resurrection. He had come out from the earth. You see, he had come out from the earth and was walking among men, but he had not yet ascended. And he told Mary, he said, don't touch me. She said, Rabboni. He said, don't touch me for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but I ascend to my God and to your God, to my Father and to your Father. And then that night, after he'd done, went up before God. He'd rose from the dead and went up before God. Coming back, he invited Thomas to touch his side. He had ascended up before God. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He was not allowed to go into Herod's temple, but the only one allowed to go into the presence of the eternal. Notice in verse 15, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under, oh my, the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Verse 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. He who was forbidden access into the holy of holies of Herod's temple was allowed access into the great courts of the eternal in order to make an everlasting covenant for you and I today. Aren't you glad he has risen from the dead? Oh, praise the Lord, and may I bring it up to you. Fast forward now 2,000 years and let you know that what he did 2,000 years ago, we're not just here today giving admiration and honor to a great historical event, but he is alive right here this morning in this building. Not only did he raise from the dead, but you also raised with him. Notice this, and on the rising of the sun, don't fear anymore, for every foreordained, predestinated seed of God shall come to life when that light spreads across the earth. Of the glorious gospel in every age, it'll bring forth the crop that God ordained it to do. He had raised from the dead. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He was quickened, not only that, 
He will send the same life that quickened me, the power that brought me from the grave. I will send it upon you to quicken you that where I am, there you shall be also. May I say to you today, friend, us getting together to have some type of Easter cantata and have some type of great celebration, we are not testifying just by that, that he is alive, the greatest testimony you and I can give, that the Lord Jesus is still alive, that we are souls that have been changed by the power of God. And we're not just pointing back to something that he was, but we are pointing to where he is today. Day, that he still is Hebrews 13 8 he's the same yesterday today and forever he is not dead but he is alive and may I say to you I am not dead either I am alive and you are not dead but you are alive for we have been quickened together in the heavenly places Give me just a few more minutes, if you will. He come to redeem or to bring life those predestinated seed that God seen before the foundation of the world and put their names in the book of life and here they are on the earth without a hope. Oh my. And here they are on the earth without a hope. He come not only to be the blessing, but to share the blessing with every predestinated seed. Now, if the seed wasn't on the earth, it could not live. It had to be on the earth and also germatized. It'll come forth when the S-O-N shines upon it. How many can say he shined upon me? On Easter morning, not only did he raise, but his beneficiaries raised with him. They were in Christ at his crucifixion. They were in him at his resurrection. Glory be to God. We are his beneficiaries quickened after being dead in darkness, the darkened world of unbelief where churches and denominations and so forth had drawn us out and there's something in us calling. Oh, glory to God. Oh, what God, we're hungering and we're thirsting for God. We joined the Methodists, the Baptists, the Pentecostal, Presbyterian and what more. And still there was something wrong. We just couldn't find it yet. And all of a sudden, while we were groping in darkness, the great resurrection came to us in the manifestation of the promised word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He is risen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And what was it all for? The love of a woman. Can't you see, brothers, why the Lord Jesus anointed Paul to tell us how to love our wives? Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may present it to himself. What kind of church? Without spot, without wrinkle, without any such thing. So should men also 
love their wives. Isn't it amazing that God tells the men such a great thing that men should agape their wives as Christ agaped the church. What for? The love of a woman. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful today, Lord. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this day that the way people treat you. You're our Lord, you're our, our King, our husband. How can we not feel sorry when we're your people using your name in vain? Changing your character and making you, instead of God, a second or third person. Father, we can never change the world. We know that. But we want to do our part. Since we know it was you who paid this great price for us. That we might be redeemed. We were worthless in our eyes of no value. But you saw what we were before the world began. If there's one here today, Father, that's not truly been born again, may this be their day. If there's one, Lord God, that their name is never spliced in that blood, would you help them, Father? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't you love him, saints, with all your heart? Look this way just a moment. You know, value is a strange saying on how we look at it. I can imagine that person today as they remember going to that yard sale there in Connecticut. And as they walked to that yard sale and they looked at clothing items and whatever more that was sitting around. And all of a sudden, Brother Paul, this individual walks over to this table and here sets a small dish very, very small dish, blue and white, very vibrant colors. This individual walks over and picks it up, turns it over, looks at the bottom of it. $30, the price. Thought, that is beautiful. I'm going to buy that. Become very curious after purchasing this bowl. Got to researching it traced it back to the Ming dynasty. Sold it just a few weeks ago for many, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars. I also wonder in my mind how many people walk by that same bowl in the yard and say, that piece of junk. I wouldn't have that thing. No doubt made in China. Wow, I didn't plan on saying that. That was, was, was pretty sound. Apparently that was when stuff made in China was pretty good, I guess. How many people walked by that and thought, if I would have only bought that? We well, see, that's the way we were. We were in Satan's pawn shop. We were ripped 
head high, miles long, and so deep we looked absolutely worthless. But the Lord Jesus come in and started pulling name tags. Praise God. Putting it in the buggy of redemption and roll up to the cash register. And said, what in the world are you doing? What is your reason? It's all for the love of a woman. Praise God. Now look what he done. Paid whatever, you know, you think your value would have been and brought it up before the Father to the trained eye that was able to look down inside that soul and find a seed of God which is priceless. Priceless. And here you stand today redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me so much. Lord, I wouldn't even worth $30. I wasn't worth nothing, really. But you looked down inside me, Lord, and saw something that was priceless. We love you today. And if all of this was for the love of a woman, then should not that woman be so in love with you that no matter what you would ever ask her to do, she would always want to obey you and please you and serve you. Forgive us when we complain. Forgive us when we grumble, Lord God. Hallelujah. When people will say, why do you do this and why do you do that? We just turn it right back around and say, for the love of a man who was more than a man. For the love of one who was the mighty God who came down to become my kinsman redeemer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed Lord God, we worship you today, Father. Can we just bow our heads, saints, and let's just worship him just a little bit. Oh, my, he's so worthy of our praise. Thou art worthy. For thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Thou hast redeemed us out of every kindred and tongue and nation and people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's worship him. Let's just bless his name for the love of a woman. And then we turn back around and say, for the love of our man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, condescended so low. The horriblest sinner that's ever lived and died never went as low as he went. The man that's killed the most people in the world, whoever that would be, the man that's drunk the most, the man that's got the highest the most, could never went as low as what our Lord Jesus did. The reason? the love of a woman. He didn't trek across the mountain in knee-deep snow. He didn't hitchhike. But he condescended from the great eternal into a body of time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Down from 
His glory Ever living story My God and Savior came And Jesus was His name Let's sing it now Born in a manger To his all a Thank you, Lord God A man of sorrows, tears, and anger With all your heart
God in we recognize? Thank you, Jesus. The day before yesterday's crucified my centurion cried surely surely we've crucified the son of God well they sing it then
the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Little did they know that day, it was an absolute waste of time when they put the Roman seal on the outside of that rock. Little did the devil know whenever he thought he'd sealed you to hell. He thought that you had sent away your day of grace and you'd gone so far there wasn't no hope for you. And he just stamped you and said, there ain't even no need to worry about him no more. He's too far gone. But all of a sudden, the resurrection and the life. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. How did that seal get broken? From the inside out. You want to know how your habits are going to be placed aside from the inside out. You know how you're going to be changed one day in the moment and the twinkling of an eye from the inside out. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. You got something? Praise the Lord. Oh, ain't it been a good day? Amen. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I stand in all your amazing ways. I worship you. Sunrise every morning 